Hi everybody, Jason here. I hope you're all doing well out there. Today we've got another Ask Jason. And as I mentioned in the first video, that I get a lot of questions through social media and also through my website. And today I've got a really great question that came through my website via a longtime supporter of my work, no matter whether it's my books or my YouTube channel, from Jorge Porfirio. Sorry, Jorge, if I've butchered your name there. But Jorge's been a longtime supporter of my channel and a, and a great friend. And he's got a really great question. So I, to get to the bottom of this question, I advise you to watch right to the end of this video to see what my conclusion is to Jorge's great question. But before we get into his question, still on my channel, there's a lot of people who are not subscribed to my work who do view my video. So I advise you all to hopefully that you can subscribe to my work, like, share, you know, spread the word with other people. A lot of people ask me, you know, why doesn't your work reach a wider audience? The only way that it can is by the help of you guys, by liking, subscribing, you know, telling your friends about my work if Eastern philosophy and spirituality is their cup of tea, you know. So, and also, if you are inspired by my work, make sure you head on over to my Patreon page. Any small contribution helps. So let's dive right into this question. So Jorge writes to me uh, through my website and he says, Dear Jason, is there any compatibility between Advaita philosophy and Sankhya philosophy? Can we have a dualistic point of view, Purusha slash Prakriti, and also think of oneness, non-dualistic point of view like Advaita? I love this sort of question and it's very, very difficult to unpack. But yes, I do have an answer for this, even though it's very nuanced. And a lot of people are probably wondering, you know, what is Advaita Vedanta? What is Sankhya? When we think of Sankhya philosophy, think of yoga philosophy. They're both similar philosophies, almost the same, actually. Sankhya being in the older philosophy, which actually, you know, we could say it's we could call it Sankhya Yoga. And so when we talk about Sankhya philosophy, as Jorge points out, it's a dualistic point of view. You have this idea of Purusha. Now, Purusha is this pure awareness that we all have at the core of our being. And that's what unites us as the same thing. But then there's this Prakriti. And Prakriti is all the matter, energy of the universe, everything, including the mind. And it's this cosmic soup where all of this energy is creating this, you know, this manifest world that you and I experience. And in Sankhya and yoga is that we have to come back into resonance with the Purusha. So we have to come back into that pure awareness and we have to observe Prakriti as if it's separate from the Purusha. So that's the one that's the core dualism of Sankhya and Yoga is that there is actually a gap between Purusha and Prakriti. But what happens is through our life is that Prakriti is wound up in the energy of oh, sorry, Purusha is wound up in the energy of Prakriti and we don't know 
our true selves, our, our pure awareness, which is purusha. And so the whole role of Sankhya or yoga is to try and come back into a core of that, try, trying to extract, in a sense, the purusha from the energy of prakriti, coming back into abidance in that pure state, so then that you are free from the the fluctuations of prakriti and you know often the uncertain fluctuations of prakriti so that's kind of sankhya yoga in a nutshell so there's that dualism right so when we talk about that that and we look at it from an advaita vedanta perspective advaita vedanta is is a strict non-dualism so you have atman which is the undifferentiated consciousness the pure awareness at the core of your being which is identical to the Brahman, the, the ultimate reality of the universe. And why it's, a, why it's non-dualism is because this dualistic reality, this idea of separation between this and that, is an illusion. This is Maya, the illusion of separation. What's really out here is only Brahman. But because our mind has been trained to measure reality and to identify with names and form then we create our own subjective view of the world and this is my our own subjective view of the world which is a a point of view from a, a separatist point of view basically it's a separatist point of view where we see the world according to our own beliefs our own agendas and and basically how we want the world to appear to us so that's what Advaita is. Advaita is that, no, that that subject, that idea of persona actually is not real. And that idea of uh, separation between this and that is not real. All that exists is Brahman. Brahman is all that exists. So this is the non-dual perspective. And now, so to, so can the, the opposite, can the dualistic point of view be linked to some sort of oneness or non-dual reality. So let's have a look at a few other schools, right? So let's have a look at Taoism. So Taoism, we have, it's a non-dualistic philosophy. But when you look at the crux of Taoism, they acknowledge that, yes, there is this dualism and there is this non-dualism. And that's all there is to say about it. You know, there's not... They don't make a strict philosophy either way. They don't say that, okay, the world is purely dualistic or the world is non-dualistic. They say both actually exist. And you need to understand that both exist. Obviously, the core philosophy of Taoism is to come back into harmony with the Tao, which is an identical concept to Brahman in Vedanta or even Purusha in Sankhya. You have to come back into resonance with that. You have to abide in that. And that, from that place, then you realize there is no more this and that. And you reside in the still point of the Tao, to, to steal Zhuangzi's classical phrase. So you have that perspective in Taoism. And another one I want to mention, another philosophy I want to mention, actually is another Vedantic philosophy. You've got to remember that Advaita Vedanta is not the only philosophy of Vedanta. There's another really great philosophy in Vedanta called Vishishtavaita. Now, Vishishtavaita is different to Advaita Vedanta because it is what we would say qualified non-dualism. 
sorry, this is different to Advaita Vedanta. Advaita Vedanta is from the Naguna Brahman perspective. Naguna Brahman means Brahman without qualities. This idea of the qualified non-dualism in Vishishtavaita is the idea of unity within diversity. So there is a unity within diversity, which is a very similar idea as Taoism, as I just briefly mentioned before. And this philosophy was promoted by the great sage Ramanuja. And Ramanuja believes that Brahman alone still exists, but he, he believes that it is characterized by multiplicity as well. It's not just that Brahman alone exists and that there is no separation. We do have this multiplicity. There is this dualism. And it is somewhat informed by Brahman, this non-dual perspective. That's pretty similar also to Advaita Vedanta, but we're, we're getting really into the technicality of some, philosoph some of the philosophies here. So, you know, we're talking about terminology, we're talking about concepts, and we're talking about just that general view, but you can kind of tweak that. And that's why, you know, Jorge brings up a good point, because when we look at Sankhya, or we look at yoga, can they be identical philosophies to... Taoism and Vashishtavaita, which are still both considered non-dual philosophies, maybe not to the extent of Advaita Vedanta, but they are still considered non-dual philosophies. Now, let's have a look at Purusha and Prakriti, right? So, one of the great understandings in the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali is that the point of Prakriti is to bring forth Purusha. So Purusha is wound up in all of this energy within the universe. This matter, this energy, this mind, all of this stuff that is in this kind of whirlpool of existence. But residing in this whirlpool is a quality that we call Purusha, this pure awareness. And it's there. And in the Yoga Sutras, they say we have to extract that from that. We have to come back into accord with our purusha, which then, once we do, then we can begin to see reality as it truly is. Now, when we look at Sankhya and yoga, a lot of people would say that, well, when we see reality as it truly is, from, from the philosophical perspective of those schools, is that we see then, we see Prakriti with all of its multiplicity and diversity, and its separation, and its unpredictableness. It's, it's just this energy that's you know, doing its thing, but your Purusha is completely qualityless, unstained, and actually, in reality, not affected by all this energy. So, let, so when we look at that, if we're coming from that place of Purusha, and we're seeing the world from that place, the experience of that state of consciousness, would it be dualistic or would it be non-dualistic? And this is something that a lot of the Shaiva yogis would talk about, the, the Pashaputtas back a couple of thousand years ago, and these sort of yogic traditions and, and Shaiva traditions that would be talking in a sense and relating dualistic philosophies like Sankhya and yoga to Advaita to non-dualism. So 
you have that relationship there because when you're looking at the purely from the experience yes it is right for jorge to ask this question because we can assume that from their experience that there is an experience of non-duality which then there is an understanding that even prakriti is a part of the non-dual sphere that there is actually no separation from prakriti to and I think that this goes to different levels of understanding, different levels of experience too from the spiritual practitioner. So, for example, you can disengage from the world. You can practice vairagya, right? Vairagya is, is this idea of renunciation, this idea of non, non-reactiveness to the world, uh, of non-identification of, with worldliness. And... When you do bring your mind back into that state, there is a, you, you can disconnect and you can develop this somewhat this gap between the world and all of its energy and your pure awareness. But what's even a deeper state that a lot of Sankhyans and yogis would probably admit is that, that then that sort of gap dissolves and there's not even like an, an identification between whatever this is out here and, and, and what's inside. So if we're looking at the terminology and, and the conceptual framework of both philosophies, they might, a strict Advaitin and a strict Sunkin may say, ah, well, it's, they, they're not compatible philosophies. But that's, I don't believe that's true. I actually believe Jorge's intuitions are right here and that from Purusha arises the awareness of non-duality first of all if we're looking at pure awareness through all of the great traditions in the east and their subdivisions so if we're looking at hinduism buddhism Taoism, and we're talking about pure awareness that state itself doesn't differ between different schools what happens is the spiritual practitioners of those times brought back their own understanding of that experience and framed it through their own subjective viewpoint, which became the philosophies that we have. And certain modern sciences actually validate what I'm saying, like cognitive science and philosophy of mind specifically talk about this, how pure awareness was framed differently just according to the person who had the experience that maybe they first of all may have been influenced by a certain perspective like they may have had a dualistic perspective before they even stepped into pure awareness so then when they had that experience they framed it as sankhya or as yoga or something like this and vice versa with someone who had an advaita perspective may have framed it through advaita but the the moral of the story is that the experience of Pure awareness is a non-dual experience. So it's not an experience that, oh, I'm, I'm having this experience here and Prakriti is just out here. There's, from pure awareness, it's qualityless. So when you're from a qualityless state, there's, there is no identification with things of quality or things of substance, if that makes sense. So, yes... Sankhya, yoga, these dualistic systems 
in my opinion, evoke oneness when you follow them to the nth degree. You don't have to abide by a strict dualism by following these philosophies. You need to have sort of, as I mentioned, those two schools of philosophy when we look at Taoism and Vishishtavaita. If we look at those two schools of philosophy, they are not so caught up in this idea of that there is a world out here, but there is another world in here. The idea is that both worlds exist and actually are part of the same thing. It's not an illusion. It's not Maya. And it's also not some sort of cosmic soup that we have to disconnect ourselves from. It all goes together as one when we understand that we're having an experience in a dualistic world, but our innate nature is non-dualistic. And so, like when I mentioned the Yoga Sutras, the Yoga Sutras are pointing to that, okay, Prakriti exists, but the essence of even Prakriti is Purusha. The essence and the even the, the existence itself of Prakriti is only validated and only recognized when we come back into Purusha. Our Purusha itself is just caught in this soup, this cosmic soup. But... When we come into that, the foundation of Prakriti's existence is Purusha. And so we can say, okay, we can make a gap between this and that, but both complement each other, just like yin and yang. They both complement each other. We're in this human form, having this dualistic experience within this world of extreme diversity, but in, at our core, and in all of our hearts, we're all the same, whatever you want to call it, the same essence. And you know, we can call that Purusha, Atman, Shunyata, Tao, whatever you want to choose. But that's the core of oneness, is that especially from, say, a dualistic model of non-dualism, is that the oneness that we experience is when we come back within our side, inside ourselves and we experience the Purusha or experience the Atman. And once we abide in that state, then we see the world as it truly is, as Shankara said. You know, Shankara said beautifully that Brahman is real, the universe is unreal, the universe is Brahman. So he's saying that when our perception is caught in subjectivity, and influenced by Prakriti or influenced by Maya, then the universe is unreal. But when we perceive reality as it truly is from that place within ourselves, which, in, which includes the concept of Purusha, which is a, a concept in Sankhya and Yoga, then the world is Brahman. You know? And so this also lends its idea to why there are certain aspects of the eight limbs of yoga where we have Ishvara Pranidhana, which is the worship of the Lord, even though there's the idea of kind of, you know, the, the terminology of Ishvara in the Yoga Sutras is, is loose. It could be Vishnu, it could be Shiva, who knows? But the idea still of Patanjali was that there is this essence of reality, this Brahman there. And I know a lot of Sankhyans and yogis may not want to admit that, but that's it's within the philosophy. So there is a non-dual 
es there is a non-dual aspect within their philosophy, even if they don't want to believe that. So, yes, when we look at it from that perspective, and what I've been trying to do for for last, especially with YouTube for the last five years, is that yoga itself, even though it it is called a dualistic philosophy its essence is non-dualistic because the state of purusha is non-dual the only argument then is what is prakriti that's what a yogi or a sankin would say what is prakriti then and prakriti is like just the waves of the ocean it's just that soup of that ocean but the essence of of the ocean is purusha. When you look, when you calm those waves of the ocean down, you can see straight into the core of your existence. And the core of your existence is, is purusha. And so that wave and ocean analogy is a perfect way to understand the paradox between dualism and non-dualism. So yes, dualism exists from a Sankhya perspective and a yoga perspective, and a Vishishtavaita perspective, and a Taoist perspective. But when we smooth those ripples out, we see that the nature of the universe and the nature of your own consciousness is non-dual. So I hope that answers your question, Jorge. I went around a little bit here, a little bit there. <laughs> it's a bit long-winded, but I hope I got there for you. And... Guys, if you have any questions like always, please shoot them off to through my any of my social media accounts or via my website. I will try to answer all of these. And there are more episodes of Enlightenment Today and The Sacred Word and documentaries coming. I'm just in a little bit of a phase at the moment with uh, editing, uh, not editing, but with organizing promotional material for my new book coming out in June. So there is a little bit of a, a phase going on at the moment, but rest assured, all of the quality content is going to continue and I'll have more of these as well, more of these Arcs Jason videos because I actually have a lot in the queue. A lot of people have asked a lot of questions, especially since the first one. So hope you're all staying healthy out there, staying fit and I love and appreciate all of you guys. Without you, what else would I do? So, have a great day. Shanti, shanti, shanti.